almost never guess correctly as to what's going to happen. Anybody else? <laughs> is that, yeah, good, a few of us. Um, the other thing that I noticed is when I do this, I have a tendency to, um, I have a tendency to imagine every possible way things are going to be a disaster. Right? It's very rare that I stop and think, here's how things might work out. Here are the good things that could happen. It is, all right, well, here's why the world is going to catch fire and it's going to be a disaster and I, there's no way I can fix it or do anything. Like I get it stuck in my head and it becomes this thing. Um, well, that was this week again. I, I, early in the week, I had a thing kind of pop up and I, I spent a chunk of my week uh, chasing after um, nothing, like worrying about this thing that, that I couldn't really do anything about, I couldn't really impact. Um, worrying about, like, what is God going to do? How am I going to fix this? Actually, it's almost never, what is God going to do? It's almost always, how am I going to fix this? How am I going to rescue this situation? How am I going to intervene? And and it was another week where, actually, I didn't have trouble sleeping. I got migraines, stress migraines all week. And and I, I it just, it threw everything off. And, and um, the last day that I worried about it, I got a phone call from somebody who was involved in my previous really stressful month or so and and they kind of called and talked to me about how everything resolved and it was uh i i it was one of those moments where i backed up and i said wow god acted like god acted and like really i i was i was involved and god worked through me i can see but like god did all of the work and it it just kind of it worked the way it was supposed to and and it was perfectly timed because i stopped and i said you know what god's in control god is taking care of me god is taking care of my family. God is taking care of the folks in this church. God is taking care of, and and as much as I worry, and as much as I stress, and as much as I look at every possible way things could go wrong, um, he was in control the whole time. Um, we're going to be looking at Psalms 19, Psalm 19, and Psalm 19 is is very heavily focused on uh, on praise. This is very much a a psalm about. Uh, how God is in control and, and how God is um, able and, and uh, how, how amazing he is, how, how um, he is worthy of worship. And, and in fact, it's very much a worshipy kind of, kind of fantastic song. Um, and the reason I'm starting with this story about my stress is um, generally when I get stuck in a cycle where I'm just thinking about every disastrous possibility, I almost never stop and say, what is going right right now? What is God doing that is good? What are the opportunities in this? What is, what is the blessing that I could see come out of this? How, how could God act today? It's always, oh, man, we're dead. I, I, oh, man, everything's going to fall apart. My wife says I'm like Eeyore sometimes because it's just, oh, everything's going to go wrong. It's all bad. It's all... And then my tail falls off and... Um, <laughs> So, I, so a little background before we dive into Psalm 19. Um, we're going to focus heavily on this psalm. Uh, the psalms is a genre of literature is is uh, poetry where Hebrew poetry specifically, where the the author has kind of poured himself out emotionally into the into the text. We see some unusual things in the psalms as a result. Some like very heartfelt, passionate, sometimes angry, sometimes uh, hopeless. Uh, things and and because of that, it's one of those spots where we can really engage with God and know God in our hearts in a different way through the scriptures. Like like He reveals Himself 
through these people, and the, it's just very human, and it's very, like, like relatable and powerful. Um, and so, like, we've done a lot of that with the psalm so far. The preceding ones have, have focused a lot on God rescue me, God rescue me, and then last week was God, this is how God rescued me, and then this week is just praise. Um, so this is the psalm we're looking at as a psalm of praise. Um, real quick, real quick, real quick. Uh, Jewish thought is very different from Western American thought, right? Like um, a, lot of, a lot of how we think and approach the world is very much influenced by, by Greek thinkers, like ancient Greek thinkers, like our understanding of logic, our understanding of how things fit together, our understanding of how um, arguments progress, whereas Jewish thinkers just approach the world in a very different way. And as they like that, that's important here, because as we look at how um, the Jews understood God and how they stood out from their neighbors in this way, the Jews understood God to be glorious because he was powerful, because he created amazing things, because he cares for people individually. Right. Which is a huge deal. A lot of the gods um, in, in the ancient world, they didn't really care that much about people. We were sort of a nuisance or annoying. Um, you see a lot of that in the, uh, in the ancient texts where, uh, um, people, you know, the gods just get angry, like, oh my gosh, people make so much noise and they like wipe everybody out with a flood because they're annoying. You know, like you kind of want to do with your kids sometimes. Um, but the, they, they understood God to be engaged in their lives. The other thing is that they had the Torah and the Torah demonstrated that God was engaged. Not only was he powerful, not only was he amazing, not only was he the creator and beautiful and everything else, but God was engaged and he gave them a guidebook for how to do things. And, and that's going to play in here um, because these are all evidences of God's greatness. So Psalm 19, starting at verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim his, the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no word. No sound is heard from them. Um, I'm going to say, like, right out of the gate, this is one of my favorite little passages in all of the Psalms that I've done this summer. Like, this is it. This is every, like, the heavens themselves, the sky, the stars, all of the things that, that, sit above us declare God's greatness think about how awesome that is um anybody watched a Montana sunrise recently I yeah all of the farmers <laughs> um anybody gone out and sat and looked at um just the that you know the layout of the stars overhead at night I mean I I never saw quite so many stars as when I lived here um, the heavens themselves, the sky, everything around us. I, I, there's a spot um, right between where the Bitzes and the Durgas houses are, home, home farms, whatever, are, where you kind of get up high. It's right by where Rebecca got married. And you can stand and you can look across the valley and you can see where the river is and the clouds kind of fill the sky. And it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. And there are days I've been up there and I've sat down and I've just looked at it and thought, man, God is amazing. God created this. And day after day, the heavens pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. Um, but the sky rarely talks. But the stars don't say anything, regardless of what the newspaper says. Um, the, the, the heavens are silent. They have no words. 
which is where he ends. He says, look, there are no words in all this. No sound can be heard from them, but they speak. And they speak because they tell us a great deal about who God is. Um, if you have time this week, just sometime when you're doing nothing, uh, I know farmers it's put stuff in the ground and pull it out, you know, twice a year you work. So you might be able to find some time. Uh, you should look up uh, Leonardo da Vinci's notebooks and his sketches. He's a guy who, like, was an amazing painter. He was an inventor. He was brilliant at a level that, that is rare, like, I mean, once in a millennium kind of intelligent. And the guy's just doodling, like, the silly drawings he did when he was just drawing silly things speak to his brilliance, right? Like, like the, guy, the guy couldn't help but be brilliant in everything he did. Um, if you look at, uh, I mean, find a master painter and look at some of his castaways, because you, you'll see that where they'll do, like, drawings or paintings that never get finished, and they just toss it off to the side. Um, and they speak to their brilliance. They speak to their talent. Um, I'm always impressed when I spend time around a really talented musician, and you see them just sit down with their guitar, with their with their whatever, and they just sort of fiddle around, and you listen to them, and they're not even trying, and they sound better than anything I could do, like with a stereo. You know? um, it, brilliance emanates off them. And when we look at God's creation, we look at the things that God has made, we look at the power he displays in everything that he does, um, it testifies to his, to his, like, how amazing he is. How, you know, he paints the sky every day only to wash it off and start again tomorrow. Um, he hung stars in the, in the heavens gajillions of miles away, and most of them have stopped existing by the time we see them. Like, he is that amazing. He is that beautiful. He's that powerful. Um, so why did I start talking about worrying and, and shift into this? How many of y'all spend time every day thinking about God's greatness? There's one of us. <laughs> Two. I, it's so easy to get distracted. And it's actually easy to get angry at God and lose sight of it. And it's easy to get um, sidetracked. And it's easy to get busy. It's easy to get all of these things and to forget to stop and look and say, God is amazing. Um, I read a study that one of the best ways to determine if a couple will get divorced within 10 years is to look at how many times they say positive things to each other um, versus how many times they say negative things. Because couples who say negative things more often, they get divorced. You know why? Because they're thinking about what's bad. Um, One of the simple measures for how happy people are happy people tend to stop and spend some time every day saying thank you or feeling gratitude or identifying things that are good in their lives. Um, Have you all ever noticed that, that when you're worried or depressed or angry or when things have fallen off the rails in your life, all you have is nothing but bad? And the cool thing where this psalm starts is this psalm starts with proclaiming God's amazing amazing works proclaiming how awesome he is and and then it goes on and says listen all of this stuff like it speaks to how great he is and and it's true i mean like it's there every day in front of us um we're lucky enough to live in a part of the world where it is there every day in front of us in in spades there's a lot of it it's hard to miss um i really like driving uh swather for the the bitses 
because it gives me this huge chunk of time where I get to drive around quiet where my phone doesn't work. Um, but I get to watch the hawks grab the mice out of the field. Um, I get to see uh, I get to see the mice dodging around in the in the freshly cut ground, like trying to escape. Like and and it sounds silly, but there's kind of a beauty to it, isn't there? I I get to watch the clouds drift overhead. I get to watch. Uh, actually, we almost ran over a deer the other day. Uh, I get to watch the deer like like brush through the the grain and barely touch it along the way, which is amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I'm looking everywhere but where I'm supposed to go. No, it's just not. Ask my wife. I'm just a bad driver. <laughs> um, thanks for not amening at that. Um, but we're surrounded by God's greatness. We're surrounded by his goodness. We're surrounded by, by the awesomeness of who he is. Um, and it's just like it's there as a blessing to us. It's there as a reminder. And we forget it so easily, Right? We forget it or we lose sight or we have this such an important thing that we need to worry about or this thing that we can't control, but I'm sure if I think about it hard enough, it'll fix it. And in reality, we have a God that's in control, a God that is all-powerful, a God that is amazing. And that God puts on display his power and his control as an amazingness like every day, but we sort of ignore that road sign because i got to worry about this stuff, right? Um I, I, I've told this story. There's a, uh, amongst rabbis, there's a story of, uh, of uh, crossing the Red Sea where the slaves are leaving Egypt and they are crossing the Red Sea and, and these Jewish men are walking and one, they're looking down and they're complaining about the mud and how it's messing up their sandals and their clothes and they're complaining about how far they have to walk and they're complaining about how you know, the, the, the Egyptians are coming to kill them and they're complaining, they're complaining, they're complaining. And all the while they're looking down, there are walls of water being held back on either side. They don't notice any of it because they're so busy complaining and they're so busy looking down. Why am I starting with this? Because praise needs to be at the beginning of everything we do. We need to acknowledge God's greatness, not just because it changes us and it does change us, but because God is worthy of it. My daughter is wandering around in the back of the room here every day or so I'll stop Actually, every day I stop and I sit down and I tell her, you are my favorite little girl. You are the prettiest little girl I see every day. Sorry, guys. She's won. There's no com- competition. You are, you are, you know, you're, you're everything. I love you so much. I love you. And why do I do that? Is it because it's good for me? Is it because it's good for her? No, because it's true. And like things that are true need to be said. Um, we start with praise because it connects us to God and it changes us in a way that we otherwise wouldn't. Actually, one of my favorite, uh, when I read this, um, I, my mind jumped back to Luke 19. As Christ is approaching Jerusalem, he's coming down the hill from the Mount of Olives to go in the East Gate, and people have gathered up around him in there. Uh, when he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Um, Some translations actually say this as, if they keep quiet, the very stones will cry out. Because God's greatness is as such that, like, even if we don't say it, the creation itself hollers it. Every day. 
all the time, and even more so with Christ, because what Christ is doing here, mind you, is he's on his way to die for our sins. He's on his way to take punishment for the wickedness we commit so that we can be in fellowship with God if we, if we follow him. Like, this is it. Like, he is about to, to save us from death. And, of course, the stones would cry out. Of course, the creation would cry out. Of course, the people had to cry out, and they even know what was coming. Um, so we go on. Yet their voice goes out to all the earth. So, uh, sorry, I had to split the clause there. Uh, they have no speech, yet they use words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voices go out into all the earth. Their vo- voice, their words to the end of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of its chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and make its, makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. Now watch this. First off, part of what is happening here is um, the Jewish writer is taking a swipe at, uh, at like one of the pagan deities from a neighboring nation, like the, where they, they worship the sun, right? And he's saying, you know what? Not only is the sun not one of your gods, not only is the sun not a real god, the sun is directed by my god. My God keeps it in its place, and my God sets its course, and it goes out, and it does what it does because my God makes it do it. And it's like uh, he compares it to a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. In the ancient world, when Jews got married, the bride was not the main event. I'm sorry. Um, There were no bridezillas in the ancient world. Um, Men would spend months and months preparing for a wedding day. And I know a lot of women would say, hey, that's a much better plan. Um, But the groom would come out, and he would be decked out in his finest, and he would have a processional. He would go and pick up his wife and take her with him from her father's home. Um, This is how they used to do it. And it was this grand thing, and everybody rejoiced, and everybody celebrated. And in fact, actually, if you skipped it, if you did not attend the coming out of the bridegroom, it was considered to be the greatest insult Um. In this way, like God has set up the sun to do his thing. God has directed his course, and we all have to pay attention to it. You can't miss it. It's out there. Like, it is hard to hide from. I hate natural light as much as the next guy. Like, but, but you know, the sun is unavoidable. Um, and it does what it does. It rises at one end of the heaven, making its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth, meaning God has set this thing in the heavens and it lights up the world. Now, that last line there is the beginning of a transition because he's about to start talking about the Torah, about the law, about how God reveals himself in his word. And starting there um, is a big deal because he says, listen, nothing gets away from uh, the sun's warmth. Nothing gets away from its light. And um, he's about to draw a parallel to God's word, saying, listen, God's word is like the sun. It is everywhere. But also the idea here is everything is exposed under the light. So when we look and we say, what do we know about the world? What do we know about sin? What do we know about righteousness? What do we know about justice and holiness and purity and everything else? It's all exposed by the light. God's word exposes all of it. And by the way, this is something to stop and say thank you for, isn't it? It's something to stop and praise God and say, God, you are amazing. Thank you. Um, God, you are amazing. Thank you for this gift. And so the psalmist starts out like, like God is in control of everything. God has set the skies in their order. God runs all of this. He is in control of everything, and we should stop and praise him on a regular basis. 
It's easy to complain, though. And sometimes it's more fun to complain. Isn't it? Sometimes it's more fun to say, let me tell you why everything in the world is broken. It's a lot more fun to do that than to stop and say, you know what? God, you are amazing. It's a lot more fun to start praying and say, God, here is my list of things I need you to do for me. Than to start praying and say, God, you're amazing and you're holy and you're wonderful and you have done great things and in Christ I am saved and all that. I mean, like, like God does such amazing things for us. But we lose sight of that. We stare at the mud underneath us instead of the water on either side of us. Um, that's my habit. Um, I've watched God do great things. I've experienced God doing great things and yet I still complain and I still worry and I still lose sight of the fact that, that He's in control. The psalmist goes on, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. Now watch this. He talks about how great these things are. Um, how many of y'all get to the part where it's time to read God's law and you say, oh boy, I can't wait to do this? No one? <laughs> it's really not the fun part, right? Like, we like grace. I do not like reading about what I should and shouldn't be doing, right? Um, and I, I spent a lot of time thinking about this week, like what this means, and I actually had a realization. Um, my wife... My wife and I have been married forever, and there's this crazy thing. She sometimes finishes my sandwiches. No, sentences. Um, <laughs> she's some. <laughs> you have to put enough hot sauce on it, nobody steals your food. That is the truth. Um, my wife amazes me because sometimes she knows exactly what I'm about to say about something before I figured out what I'm going to say. She knows exactly what I'm going to pick out at the store before I pick it out. She knows what I'm going to want to do with my free time before I do it. She knows how I'm going to react to something being frustrated before. She knows, like sometimes I'll be cranky and she'll say, all right, Eric, here's what I think is going on. And she'll tell me, it's like, oh my gosh, you seem to know me. My wife knows me better than anybody in their right mind. And right mind is probably the right thing to say. Anybody in their right mind should. And I assume it's because she loves me. Is that it? She loves me so she watches me. She loves me so she learns about what I like. She loves me so she knows what I'm thinking behind everything else. She loves me so that or she's stuck with me and she's just had a lot of time to pay attention. Um, knowing what I like is, you know, or what I enjoy or what I think about things or how I respond to things. Like, like this is part of knowing my heart. It's part of knowing who I am. I try to do the same thing for her, but she's a mystery wrapped in an enigma. Um, as we look at God's law, as we look at his word, we can know God more intimately. We can know him better. We can know how he thinks. We can know how he responds. We can know what his heart is. Um, and really, if you read it, and put time into understanding it and digesting it and implementing it, it becomes this opportunity to like, like love God more intimately. Um, there are times when I'm reading the scriptures and I discover things. Like there's this idea, it's called the scarlet thread. Have any of y'all ever heard of this? 
The scarlet thread in Scripture is this idea that Jesus is present from the beginning of the Bible all the way to the end. And as you read bits and pieces of the Old Testament, you'll sometimes come across direct references to Jesus. And you can stop and say, oh my gosh, this is a story about Jesus. Oh my gosh, this is a reference to Jesus. Oh my gosh, this is about Jesus. I see Jesus in this. And like when you discover those things, it gives you this opportunity to love God more because it's amazing how far God went to save you, how far he went to save me. Like it is an amazing, beautiful thing. Um, the scarlet thread that runs through the word is, is for us. Um, we can discover ideas. And have any of y'all ever like, I, I was a, took philosophy in college. And the reason I love philosophy is you learn about a way to think about something and it became exciting. And, like, you'd sort of fall in love with this way of thinking. And you'd think, oh, well, wait a minute. What he's saying is this and this. And it's like putting this big puzzle together. Um, I suspect the same is true of just about every line of work where you, you start to figure out how everything works and it all fits together. And you just get excited about it. The same is true of this. Like, when we come to know God's law, when we study his word, we pay attention to it, we can see, man, there's a lot of wisdom to this. There's a lot of depth to this. Man, God put a lot of work into this. Wow, God is brilliant. God is in control. God knows what is best. Um, And that's important. You know why it's important? Because as much as the skies and the heaven testifies to who God is, um, to really know God, we have to know his word. My wife and I met on the internet. She sent me, like, uh, I don't know, I had, I had a couple of pictures of her, like photos she mailed me, right? And so I knew what she looked like. And I, I looked at those pictures and I sort of memorized what she looked like, right? And I, I fell in love with how she looked because I think she's beautiful. Um, then I, we got to talking online and I got to know kind of how she talks about things. And I fell in love with that. And then I started spending time with her, and I discovered that was a whole other ball game. Eventually, I fell in love with that. Um, we fall in love with God by observing him in the creation, by observing his work, by observing his fingerprints on all things. We fall in love with God by knowing his word, by knowing his law, by knowing what his idea of righteousness and justice and goodness and holiness are, by knowing that he is in control and he cares about us. You know what? Knowing that he cares about us even when the world is broken, even when it seems like the whole country is screwed up and people are shooting each other and everybody seems to hate everyone else and our neighbors seem like they're crazy and everything else, knowing God is in control is a product of knowing him. Trusting that all these things are going in the right direction is a product of knowing that God like, has his hands on everything, that not a hair can fall from our heads without his will being a part of it. Knowing that he sent Christ to die for us, to save us, not to kill us, not to wipe us out. And so as broken as it all is, God is working in the direction of redemption. And it's our job to be a part of that process. <clears throat> And so we look at how he describes, like the psalmist, the law is perfect, refreshing to the soul. It sounds so exciting for something that seems so dry, but you know what? It's not dry. It teaches us about God's heart. Properly studied, we can know so much about God from his law. They are more precious than gold, much more pure than gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Um. Uh-oh. <laughs> um. I know I got to move. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Sorry, that was that was distracting. Um. <laughs> Here's the idea though. 
I, I've been married forever, and getting time to spend with my wife, 15 minutes here, 20 minutes there, 5 minutes here, 5 minutes there, going out on dates, having conversations, having quiet minutes to sit, actually, honestly, just sitting and watching TV and turning and getting to look at her and see how pretty she still is after all of these years, and knowing that she's even prettier than she was before. Like, she becomes this thing that is like, and it's like honey, right? That's why I call her honey. Um, it's sweet in my life. This is how the psalmist is talking about this. Knowing God and knowing who he is um, gives us the opportunity, gives us the opportunity to experience God in this way. We're hearing God's word and, and praising God and spending time in worship gives us an opportunity to taste and see that he is good. Gives us an opportunity to be refreshed and filled by him. It's an amazing gift God gives us. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. Um, It wasn't until I really began to study my wife and realize how amazing and blessed I am to be married to her that I realized how woefully inadequate I am as a husband. And I began to realize how much work I have to do to be what she deserves. I don't think I'm a bad husband. I can compare myself to some folks I've met over the years and say, hey, I'm way better than that guy. But I want to be better than the guy who is awful. I want to be what my wife deserves, right? I want to be what she deserves. In the same way, when I come to know God and I know his law and I know how amazing he is and I look at my own sin, it's not that I want to be better than the jerk who lives across the street. Actually, nope, I'm sorry, not across the street. I like those guys. Um, <laughs> but you get my idea, like, in general. I, it, just being better than this guy or that guy or those people over there, that's not enough. Being good enough. In fact, it's not even possible. Only in Christ am I good enough. But, like, my heart can grow. I can learn to love God. I can learn to, to experience his grace in my life as it pours down like rain. I can, <laughs> I can be washed in the blood, and I can grow to be more like Christ. Thank you. <laughs> I want to be innocent and blameless because of Christ. I want to belong to him. I want to be his man. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Man, that's loud. Um, gonna turn me up? <laughs> the uh, I know it's it's a part of the the great storm we all experience. Um, so he ends with this: thoroughly in love with God, thoroughly in love with his creation thoroughly enraptured and enchanted by the things that God has done and who he is. He says, I want the words of my mouth, the things that are going on in my heart, I want to be pleasing to you, God. I want to be right in your sight. I want to be, I want to love you more than anything. This should be our prayer every day. Um, This should be our prayer through and through every day. I'm sorry, it's getting really loud, so I'm going to cut a little short. Um... My challenge for you this week, going forward, God was displeased with the sermon. Uh, my challenge for you going forth this week um, is to ask yourself, are the words of your mouth and the meditation of your heart, like are you, are you striving to be pleasing to God? Are you striving to be the, the, the follower, the, the, um, 
the lover of God that you were meant to be? Um, are you looking at the world around you and the first thing you come up with is everything is broken, everything is screwed up, nothing will go right? Um, are you going past the great painting in the sky that he throws up for us every day and, and ignoring it because you just got too much to worry about? Are you complaining about every little thing? Are the gifts that he's given you just not good enough because somebody else has it better? Are you playing victim? Are you like ignoring the great gifts that God has given us? My challenge to you this week is going forward to, to dig deep, to look in your heart, and to, to compare yourself to this and ask, like, am I reading his word and falling in love with him? Am I dating God? I hate to say it that way. Um, but am I spending time with him intentionally? I've discovered one of the hardest things in the world to do is to spend an hour praying in the middle of the day. Like, just to stop and talk to God for an hour. Actually, half an hour, or 25 minutes, or 15 minutes. Getting my kids to leave me alone long enough to let me... To, what? Um, 15 minutes, whatever. Like, getting them to leave me alone long enough to spend time talking to God. Like, it's hard. Um, but this is how we grow intimate with Him. This is how we grow closer. We meditate, we focus, we worship. Let's close in prayer, and I'll let you all go to flee through the hail and... Heavenly Father, uh, who's in charge and in control of, of, of our lives, Lord, who is in charge and in control of the weather and the, the thunder and the lightning and the, and the rain falling from the sky, Lord, we praise you for the blessings you give us. We praise you for, for the order you set about the creation, the, the, the way your hand moves in all things. And help us to know that you love us intimately. You love us intimately and care for us thoroughly when, when it seems like the storm will overtake us. Um, Help us to worship you in everything that we do first and foremost. Help us to back up and recognize that, that as scary and as broken as things are sometimes, that you are in control. I praise you for everything you do. In Christ's name, amen. Have a good day.